This is the Immigrant View with Ayo Oweduni. Hello and uh, welcome to the first episode of the Immigrant View. I'm really excited about this. Uh, my name is Ayo Oweduni. So this is just an opportunity for you to get to know me and then also an opportunity for me to introduce what the show is all about. Okay, so my name is Ayo Oweduni. I moved to Canada in 2016. I came to join my wife and my six-month-old son um, at that point. Um, prior to moving to Canada, I worked as a management consultant uh, back in Nigeria and also um, had some um, work in different places, uh, the media sector prior to that also. So anyway, moved to Canada. I've been in Canada now for five years. I'm timestamping this. This is 2021. Uh, post COVID about to get second dose of vaccination. So really excited about that. But I uh, moved over here and read a fantastic book called The Jewish Phenomenon. If you've never had a chance to read that book, please go ahead and read it. And what really just captured my attention about the book was the power, the importance of community, the importance of having a plan, the importance of having a plan for the family, and some key areas that immigrants need to focus on uh, to be able to build that life of success. Now, it was one view from a group of immigrants, you know, which would be the Jews. But beyond that, I, I think this uh, there's so much that we could learn from just that book. Um, and my goal is uh, this podcast is inspired um, first by that book, but then also by the many conversations that I've had with many immigrants that have arrived in Canada, many that have done well, many that have not done well, uh, many that... Um, have great stories, great wins, great losses, and all the stories in between. We've been able to put together an acronym called FACE Canada, all right? It's a very powerful acronym. You hear me talk about it regularly. Um, so uh, each episode, each conversation is going to be pulling from FACE Canada. And then another aspect is what I call my story, our story. We pull in and bring in great immigrants who are doing amazing work, first generation, second generation, third generation sometimes. And the idea is for us to be inspired by their story. If they can do it, hey, we can do it. If they can do it, hey, our friends can also do it um, as well. So I'd like you to be inspired by this. I'd like you to be informed through this podcast. Most importantly, to be empowered by the podcast. I'm really excited about this. My first episode is the Minister of um, MP, rather, uh, Minister of uh, Diversity and Inclusion. She's also a member of Parliament. Her name is Bardish Chagger. She's a good friend and uh, kind enough to be my first interview uh, for the podcast. So stay tuned, listen, um, uh, spend some time, visit our website whenever you get a chance also. It's been a great pleasure. I'm looking forward to having a conversation with you. More importantly, I'm looking forward to hearing your great story here in Canada or wherever you are. Keep building, keep growing, keep succeeding. Thank you very much. Over to the podcast. You're listening to The Immigrant View with Ayo Oweduni. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast today, The Immigrant View. Today we have, you know, I don't think I've ever called you this. Uh, this will be my first time honorable uh, Bardish Chagger with us. That sounds pretty cool, you know. Honorable Bardish Chagger, Canadian politician. She served. She serves currently as a Minister of Diversity, and Inclusion, and Youth. Um, she's a member of the Liberal Party. Uh, she sat in the House of Commons uh, for the writing of Waterloo since the 2015 federal election. 
Uh, prior to going into politics, she was the director of special events for Kitchener Waterloo Multicultural Center. And she has also uh, held previous portfolios as leader of the government um, in the House of Commons, minister of small business and tourism as well. And the first female leader of government in the House of Commons in the history of Canada. And uh, yeah, it's and I would say someone that I've come to truly respect and um, many conversations, many great advice, uh, many great talks about, you know, just building our community, something I, I really, truly value. Uh, and someone I said, someone that mentors me as well, you know, just uh, around the area of leadership. So I, I've said all these wonderful things about you. Chair. I, I know. I, I think that's the most, the nicest things you've ever said about me. That's amazing. <laughs> and I really appreciate it because I think, I think our, our, our friendship has actually become two-way, where I learn a lot from you as well, um, and we broaden each other's perspectives. And I have to say the Waterloo region is even stronger and even better because you and your family have chosen to call this place home. Absolutely. People usually ask me, how did we select Kitchener-Waterloo? And my response is, when we moved here, that was the first place my wife got a job. And that's how we just ended up here randomly. So it was very random. But I'm glad it worked out that way because it's actually quite it's quite relevant because I would say we have three post-secondary institutions here, right? So we've got the University mm-hmm. of Waterloo, Wilfrid Laurier University, as well as Conestoga College. Mm-hmm. So Waterloo Region is a place where people from around the world and across the country come to oftentimes for education, but for employment opportunities. And whether that's because they got a job or because they become um, entrepreneurs and create jobs, it is a place that they choose to uh, settle down. And then it's an obvious place to raise a family, right? Like such a warm, welcoming community um, that actually I would say strives to do better and it wants to become even more inclusive. And I think that's where there's a lot of opportunity. And I can't imagine, you know, for myself somewhere else that my family would have, um, aside from a large urban center where we would have actually established ourselves, me being born and raised here, um, and then having the journey that I've had the honor and privilege of having. Absolutely. It definitely is, is a great um, place. So uh, one of the reasons why I thought it'd be great to have you on is, uh, I mean, just getting to know you, you're second generation immigrant here in Canada. And um, I, I just wanted you to just give us perspective um, for other immigrants who are coming in now and who are settling and raising their family here. Uh, perhaps there are things from your story and your family story that we can all learn from and, and, and gain from. But I, I want to just first ask, why did you decide to choose politics first? Okay, first, I want to just say, see, this is why I love talking to you, because we always have our own first, first, first that we have to say. I would say I'm second generation Canadian, not second generation immigrant. Okay. Um, my parents, my grandparents immigrated from India in the early 70s, and then I'm born and raised here. Mm. Um, so my family that immigrated, who immigrated here is Canadian, and then I'm born Canadian. So I would okay. say I'm second generation Canadian. And I think just Sometimes that whole conversation about immigrant, unless you are Indigenous, everyone immigrated here. Mm-hmm. Some segments of our population have just been here for a lot longer, and I think mm-hmm. they've forgotten partly where they come from. So I should acknowledge that I'm joining you from the living room of my home in Waterloo, Ontario, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabeg, Haudenosaunee, and neutral people. Um, and I think it's really important that we actually confront some of our history, mm-hmm. and we're having a challenge doing that. But a lot of the systemic issues that we're dealing with um are hard 
And it, they're hard because they sometimes become personal the more we dive into our past. But it's important that we know where we come from so we have a clearer vision of where we're going. And why did I choose politics? Okay, I didn't really because politics is my hobby. Um, India is the largest democracy in the world when it comes to the number of people. And my family comes from India. Uh, so we all have opinions. Everyone votes. You know, and you have these stories too from back home where... You know, when you get a ballot, people vote like it's a big deal. You vote like you stand in line and people take it seriously. And yes, there might be bribes and whatever else impacted, but people do take their vote very seriously. Um, so I when I was 13, actually, I I was fighting for a lot of things prior to 13, even that didn't always align with my family's views because of social policies and culture and where they come from and what they've been taught. Um, which would cause a lot of uh, challenges and sometimes controversies or uncomfortableness at the dinner table. And dinner is where my family believes that, you know, you sit quietly, you ask about each other's day, but you don't get into like, you don't get into a fight or a battle. Right, right. right. So sometimes because comments would be said, I would not be able to hold myself back. So I would respond in our culture. You don't respond to your elders. And I come from an intergenerational family. So 13 of us in this house, I'm one of them. And most people are older than me. And um, there's only what four younger than me. So you know where I am um, on the, in, in the hierarchy of things. And so my father actually, it was a 93 campaign and my father's been quite politically involved in the sense of fighting for us to go to a French immersion school rather than going to the the English school that did not have access to French or core French, uh, but it is our feeder school. And then even just in the community, when it came to certain issues to make sure that, you know, his kids had access because my grandfather had a hard battle. My father has fought really hard also for us to kind of be included and involved, but he did not want that for his kids. So did whatever he could to establish us to be set up for success. And that's where 13 years old, he said, okay, so don't have these conversations at the dinner table, but here's an avenue for you to do it. So I put out mm-hmm. signs with and my dad for Andrew Tladdy's campaign. Then I joined the association and oh, started fighting for policies there. Um, and it's interesting because even the, the association here locally did not necessarily always agree with some of my positions, um, but I learned so much from them by having respectful dialogue and, you know, gained so much from it, but we were able to actually advance certain issues like same-sex marriage, which is always a challenging conversation, but an important mm-hmm. one because mm-hmm. our world needs more love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, what was, what, usually when I have conversations with, with immigrants, people from Nigeria, just like myself, and um, politics or community comes up, there is usually, uh, and nobody comes out bluntly to say this, but the conversation goes around, look, I'm here to just focus on, you know, working, you know, making my money, sending what I need to send home to take care of family, taking care of my family here, and, and moving forward. I don't want to get involved, especially politics. I do not want to get involved with what I've heard from back home. What are your thoughts uh, for people and advice for people that that are in that trajectory and and, and thinking? For me, I think there's a I think there's a conversation to be had around what it means to be involved in politics, what it means to be involved in partisan politics, what it means to be involved in democracy. Okay. So we know if you look at just all the hard fought battles, oftentimes there's a need for political will. 
And that's how we actually bring about equal rights. That's how we bring about equitable programs. If I think about when my my family immigrated here, the settlement services that we have today did not exist. And yes, there is a school of thought to say, well, when I came here, nobody helped me out. So why are we helping others out? Mm -hmm. But there's also a school of thought saying that I don't want other people to have to jump the same hurdles I did. Because I want them to have, uh, and it's not an easier journey because immigrating is not easy. Leaving everything you know to come to a new country Yes, you're full of hope and optimism, um, but it's challenging, right? And then it might be isolating. There's so many different factors, language barriers, all these different things, and a new culture and a new world, it feels like. So why not help people's journey along? And wherever we can support each other, like, why not be able to do it? And I think that's where it's important that as people have laid track for us to come Mm -hmm. to where we are, that we continue laying track for future generations And I think something that's really consistent is no matter what wave of immigrants come and where they come from, we tend to discriminate against them. And we have to stop doing that, right? Like when we see people coming from whatever part of the world, as immigrants or the children of immigrants, we should have enough time to learn about that experience. And then how do we actually lift each other up to make sure people can actually achieve their dreams and successes sooner. Because once they succeed, we all succeed. Everyone benefits. Mm -hmm. It's not about pushing other people down. It's about bringing other people along with us. Mm -hmm. I like that. I I think we do all have uh, something that we can give and share uh, with one another. Um, And I think many people have been traumatized by politics from their home countries. Yeah. uh, That there is this, this, uh, this disdain and this never, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Um, but we, we need to think differently and have some sort of paradigm shift um, around that. But even on that point, I would say there's parts that, yes, were not great, but there were parts that were good. So I think you bring about the good, but we make sure that we're not establishing what wasn't good here. Right. And like we even see, you know, in other countries where we might see, Um, certain things taking place and then we bring some of that learning and teaching here that's not cool Mm -hmm. because we left these places for a reason for the most part and you know immigrants usually choose to come and it's refugees that don't and that's where it's Mm -hmm. always interesting to kind of get to know people and what their journey is and not assume Mm -hmm. and I think that's why taking a little bit of time but there is a lot of power in democracy because democracy is the power of people and we I think regardless of whether it's back home or here, it's really important that we hold governments to account, but we also have to make sure we're getting good information. Right. And I think that's sometimes the challenge is people don't have, don't have actual facts. So how do we do it? And I think that's why conversations like this are good, even though it's not about per se politics today, but one day maybe you'll have me back. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We got something cooking. <laughs> we got some cooking in the kitchen. That's and, it. Uh, hopefully we'll be, we'll be ready for that really soon. I was having a conversation with you once. Uh, my, we we're talking about my son. And I, th- I think one of the key things that you said was sign him up for French immersion. Yes. I don't know if you remember that. And he, w- he will be starting in September. Uh, we're, we're, we're dating this now. He will be starting in September. We're really excited about it. And then speaking to somebody else, I said, hey, we're signing for French immersion. And his response is, OK, so who's going to teach him French when he gets home and help with the homework? And I'm like, uh, not me. 
And their advice was, okay, Auntie great. Bartish will help. I'll help. <laughs> if it's good, you tell them Auntie Bartish made this recommendation. If it's not good, we'll talk about it. <laughs> but they gave great advice around just um, get a French tutor that could also help you as the parents and also be able to help him just to have those conversations with him on a weekly basis. And, and yes and no. I would say yes and no, because I think... I think you have opportunities for your kids to have exposure to French at home um, because of the internet and actually allowing them to perhaps watch a show or so. If it's French immersion, you have a half a day of French at school. My family also didn't speak French, Mm. Uh, but I'll tell you something. When my sister started learning French and then I learned French, then my brother learned French and then, you know, my other brothers learned French. Um, whenever at home, we didn't want our parents to know we spoke in French. So you do tend to start working and practicing among siblings. And I think it's cool for yourself to definitely want to learn as well, because we have two official languages. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's fair to understand that when kids are younger, their brains are sponges and they're able to embrace mm-hmm. language. At home, I didn't speak French, but at home I spoke Punjabi. And I really think it's important that we also maintain um, our culture. Right. And that's a part of our diversity. As much as people do like to um, assimilate or whatever else, Mm -hmm. the diversity is our strength. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really about like, how do we have the best of it all? And some kids are meant to have multiple languages and some kids might not be able to. And I think that's okay too. Mm -hmm. But you... Putting your son in French immersion or core French, whatever it might be, is what you can do. Mm-hmm. Providing him tools to succeed is what you can do. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't necessarily work out, that's not horrible. At least you tried. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it comes down to because some of the kids in our family did not do well in learning French. Um, and that was okay too. But at least mm-hmm. we tried. Mm-hmm. So uh, one key question I wanted to ask in line with that was, why, why was that important? And the reason why I'm asking is, I think it would be great for other immigrants to start exploring all the different opportunities. I mean, I like what you talked about. Your home, you learned your language, and you spoke it at home. I'm trying to do that with the kids now, you know, make sure I speak the language to them right. when we're home. Um, so why, why was that important, the importance of learning not just one language, but the other languages also? So I think as children of immigrants, we, um, we sometimes live out our parents' dreams. Mm. Um, and in my case, it was really beneficial. But my father was really committed to ensuring that his kids went to post-secondary, namely university. Okay. My father was pulled out of school in grade 10. Um, and he was pulled out of school to have to work to support the family. And that's mm. just kind of what you did with the oldest son oftentimes um, in a lot of countries, including India, we've come a long way since then, but that is just, you know, and it is actually still a reality for other people that I've spoken to. So my father, it was really important that his kids spoke both official languages. It was really important that we went to university and for him, I don't know. I've never asked him if it was important that we spoke Punjabi, but I'm born and raised in the Waterloo region. My first language is Punjabi. I come from an extended family, as I said, and my grandparents, who magically learned how to speak English after the boys were born. But for me and my sister, we had to speak Punjabi with them. And it was just the thing that we did. Um, (laughs) If we spoke to them in English, they would respond to us in Punjabi and they would be like, we don't understand. But then my brother is six years younger than me, but it was like magic. Mm -hmm. How like, 
all the boys spoke just fine in English with the grandparents and they spoke just fine back. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole different conversation. I think it's important uh, to have access to the fir- two official languages. And I'll tell you just, um, it's also important that governments make sure that there is access to the two languages. So my school was uh, Bridgeport. Okay. Here down, and it, I went there for kindergarten, but it was not a French immersion school. So then my father got us into Sandown and Sandown mm-hmm. was a French immersion school. Mm-hmm. And in the Waterloo region, we not only have French immersion schools, we also have full French schools. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where having that access is important. And I'll tell you, anybody listening, you know, it's really good for your kids to be able to say, like, I'm not only unilingual, I'm not only bilingual, but I'm trilingual. When I was elected and we went to India I think they were really surprised some of the officials we met and the elected people we met when I could understand what they were saying. Wow. Um, especially when I responded back. And my Punjabi is nothing to write home about. It's very straightforward. It might, there's a lot of words for it, um, but I can understand it and I can speak it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we watch Hindi movies and stuff like that at home. So it's just, it just immerses and it's within you. So even you, I was talking to the kids in your language is important because even if they might not be responding to you, it is establishing itself within Mm -hmm. their brains. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you need to try to do whatever you can. Absolutely. You know, uh, last year, my my son was back home in uh, in Nigeria uh, and uh, we put him in school there. We put him in school for a few months because we wanted him to experience home. You know, uh, yes, you were born and raised in Canada, but this was, you know, this is also home for you. Your family's still there. So, you know, he got to go to uh, grandpa's village. He got to go see grandpa in the village. You know, he saw grandma at home, you know, and he just got to hang out and, you know, chase chickens and take the, you know, the, you know, ride around. He went to the local school and he had the time of his life. You know, it's a whole was- different world of freedom mm-hmm. back home. It's interesting because when we were younger and we went to India, whenever the family would be talking here in Waterloo, they would say back home, back home, back home, referring to India. Mm-hmm. And then we went to India for about a month. And when we were talking there, my parents would say back home, back home, back home. <laughs> Waterloo. And I was just like, what an amazing thing to be able to say, like, you know, I actually have home in two places. And mm-hmm. I think you know, everyone can have a house, but to have a home really means that a part of you is there mm-hmm. and you feel like you belong. And I think that's why it's important to recognize as immigrants to maintain our culture and identity does oftentimes mean that home is more than one place. Yeah, I think one of the things that really warms my heart is, you know, when they're talking to grandma or grandpa um, and thank God for technology where, you know, where you can see the person and talk to them. And their question is, uh, when are you coming to visit or when can we come to visit? Like, grandma, you're in Nigeria. We want to come. And it's just that joy and excitement for that desire because they've been there. They've experienced it. And it's not just something you hear about or read, but it's something that you've you've seen as well. Um, What is your advice for immigrants around just maximizing your potential in this new, wonderful, fantastic land called Canada? I would say not only to um, often the parents, but also the kids is that our parents want the best for us. Mm -hmm. And, the thing that's in common is we only know what we know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, our parents come oftentimes from a different place and their upbringing has been maybe similar or very different to ours. So for mm-hmm. me, what I've learned right now at this moment, looking back is 
sure some of the things and position that I fought for some of the positions I held were not comfortable for my parents because that's not how they were raised right but the more we were able to have respect for dialogue and understand where we were coming from and like actually maintaining um the importance of family and loving each other and for me my family is not just by blood it's by love Mm -hmm. but actually having that respectful like understanding of difference of perspectives the better it was Mm -hmm. and for me my document is the Canadian charter of rights and freedoms and i'm older than the charter of rights and freedoms so these rights and freedoms are very recent but what i used to often say is the same charter that has allowed the turban in the RCMP, the same charter that has allowed people to be able to, you know, pray within their workplaces, the same charter that's allowing, uh, protecting our, our rights and freedoms, including minority rights, is the same charter that provides, you know, same-sex couples the right to love each other and be married and be their truth selves. It's the mm-hmm. same charter that protects actually has given people the right to make decisions for end-of-life care through medical assistance and dying that charter is there so that we're not imposing our values on our neighbors but we're able to live with our neighbors Mm -hmm. and i think that's where it's important that we broaden our horizons and have respectful conversations and not shut the door so quickly and i think part of succeeding in canada is always remembering why we came here and if we came to Canada to be exactly like what back home was, then why did we come to Canada? Right. That's sometimes hard. But for my parents and my grandparents, the more I realized it's not that they mean to be difficult. It's not that they don't want me to succeed. It's just that they don't know what they don't know. Mm. And there is worlds colliding and there is a lot of things that are happening differently mm-hmm. and their expectations for their kids to succeed are high. So that's a lot of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where like my mom only ever prayed for two things. One was for me to get married. Two was to stay out of politics. Here I am in 2021, not married in the heart of politics. And she still loves me. And, you know, like, it's all good. Like sometimes the good Lord gets it right. I tell you, um, so always have confidence in uh, letting things work out. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been, um, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on the podcast. Thanks for sharing your story uh, with us. Uh, do, truly, truly do appreciate all the great work you're doing in the community. And we see it. I do appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the fight for, for immigrants and for Canadians as well. It's been a pleasure talking with you. The last thing I'd like to say just before I go, there's two last things. First of all, as we do embrace our cultures, I know it's hard for kids to take food to school, whatever else, mm-hmm. make sure they have enough to share with their friends, especially mm-hmm. if it's sweets and that kind of stuff, because it helps others learn about our culture. It's something we did growing up was to actually share about what our wedding ceremonies look like because people mm. love sparkles and bling. Mm. Um, so it was really cool. The second thing, um, please, please, please continue to follow public health guidelines. Wash your hands, get your vaccine when you can. If you have any comments or concerns, reach out to public health mm-hmm. uh, because there actually is some good cultural specific information being shared. So if there is any concerns or barriers, let's get you that good information um, so that we can get back to seeing each other once again. Absolutely. Hopefully we all get vaccinated really soon. So um, our second doses, um, so we can all be out and about again soon. Can't wait. Awesome, Minister. Thank you for your time. My best to the family. My best to all listening. Keep well and safe, everyone. Thanks for listening. For more information, please visit our website, theimmigrantview.com. That is theimmigrantsview.com.